0: Hey, we are back in the football shed. My name is John Hewitt. Jeff King is here. Good night. And Roger Gibbs is back. Roger Gibbs is back
1: with a perplexed look on his face. What's wrong, Roger? My beer's a bit warm. Well, put it in the fridge. And it's not that tasty. It's like so a bit of a fridge. Bit of, I've of fridge. got a Christmas Christmas beer. It's, what is? It's all right. It's a bit. What's yeah. it called? This one is a John Boston Session IPA. Mass-produced crap, I think. It's got a good name though, John. <laughs> um we are the football sheds. Oh you can ask me what I'm drinking, John? Oh
2: Jeff, what are you drinking? I'm today? drinking beer that people left in the fridge at Christmas. A uh, New Year. Free beer. The best kind of beer. That's the perfect beer. It's festive free beer.
0: Um your beer looks very dark, looks it's like a porter or something.
2: It tastes like a porter, but I can't tell you what it is. <laughs> it's it's fridge beer.
0: Oh good, good. Yeah. I'm on my uh passion fruit gozes again. Left one of those in the fridge, I think, John, I, I well, had that. The good yeah. refreshing <laughs> Um, but we are the Football Shed. We're here every week um, in Jeff shed, hence the name Football Shed, with three English blokes living in Melbourne who just like talking about football, basically. Um, you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Spotify. If you enjoy it, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, give us a review, tell your mates. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, just search Football Shed Podcast, or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. And every week we start with a question... And this week, my question's quite complicated, so I had to write it down thoroughly. I'm ready? So you are ready? In a Premier League season, there is three hundred and eighty games. How? Oh no, wait! Oh, Roger, confusing me. So, so there's three hundred and eighty games. <laughs> I, in haven't, does... <laughs> I haven't said anything. Yeah, <laughs>
1: your, your strange look. Uh, my knee's touching your knee. And it's oh, too okay. hot. I'm for
0: It's very sweaty in the shed again. There's three hundred and eighty games in a season how many games last season was there a game was there a team with 70% possession or more so out of those 380 games in the whole season how many times did at least one team have 70% possession or more
1: well five I, times no i'm going to say much more cuz man city are there so i'm going to say that at least half of man city's games so i'm going to say 20 and then i'm going to say i'm going to say uh, 35 games 63
0: oh my god 63 is a huge amount from 380 so 63 yeah. of the what was it Three, 380 games so that just means that the thing I took from that were is, 38 of those Men's City I don't know which teams which, but uh, it's just showing that the gulf between teams is getting bigger and bigger um, and some teams defend and some teams don't have to bother defending so that's about 8.5% Yes, if, if just if, say yes. I yes, assume. so. Yes, yes, so sure. you, that's insane. Since Opta started making stats in o two o three, they started doing the possession stats and stuff. In the o two o three o three o four o four o five season, so those three seasons, there was only three games where that occurred all, in total. All total. Wow. Over the three seasons,
1: but it is. I would say it is skewed slightly by um, Pep and the the way that Man City play. I mean, if anything, I would say it'd probably be worse this year because you've got Sarri's Chelsea as well.
0: Do you think it's worse, or is it because the gap's getting bigger? So some teams just go, top six, I'm just going to defend. I won't bother with attacking.
1: Uh, I think there's an element of that, but I think uh, sometimes with stats you can read too much into it, and I, I would be very interested to know but I would suspect quite strongly that a very high proportion of those games are Man City games. Yeah. And Man City are a little bit of a um, an outlier, mm. um, so perhaps it's not necessarily that the gaps getting bigger. getting bigger. It's just that Man City are really good.
2: And it also doesn't mean that that team was dominant. No. I, know, I know it sounds like a weird thing to say, but when Leicester won the league, there was only, if I yeah. remember this stat correctly, only one game did Leicester ha- out-possession the other team, have more than fifty percent possession, and they lost it.
0: And recently, Huddersfield lost the game with seventy percent possession.
2: So, so it doesn't mean that there's a dominant team. It means that there's a, a there has been an acknowledgement that you don't necessarily have to have the ball to win a game of football. Now, yeah. obviously, there are caveats to that, which are you have to have the ball at least a bit because you need <laughs> to score a goal. <laughs> but but you're you don't yeah. have to play tiki taka. We, we yeah. talk about yeah. the, the evolution way. and actually the the counter attack attack. Form of absorption and, and explode football has actually been all the rage in the last few years. So it's, it's not it's a surprise that it's so high. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but it doesn't imply an unbalance the way it would have ten years ago.
1: Yeah, nice. But I think that the gap is getting wider. Yeah, I think like a, I think a better stat to show that is that there's. I mean, you you guys talked about it last week that we've got um, five teams all over forty points. Yeah, at this. Halfway point of the year, you know, so Arsenal in fifth that would be 80, 82 points, which on a number of occasions be enough to, to win the thing. Um, they're fifth, yeah. So I, I, I think that is a fairly good indicator that the top, you know, five or six are, are ahead, are, are definitely ahead, yeah.
0: Um, Rod, you were closest with your guess of 35 games, but not that close,
1: just to let you know. Um, but what would you like to talk about first? Wow. Um, there's been a lot of football there has been a lot of football it's hard to sort of pick one thing to talk about Um, although you
2: you have to because you're on a football podcast Mm -hmm. and you won the quiz
1: can we talk about transfers or not or is that too early that's boring I don't want to start with transfers well it's only because it happened overnight I'll go on then um, so you want to talk about Pulisic signing for Chelsea from Dortmund yeah Yeah. and I'd just be interested to get your, your thoughts on it um earlier on in the week I was reading about the fact that um, Bayern Munich have apparently come in for uh, Hudson Odoi, Odoi yeah. who's a young Chelsea player we talked about him at the start of the year um, I think he's had about seven appearances this year five of those have been in Europa League substitute appearances uh, but the kid's got a hell of a lot of potential um, and I think there's a bit of a oh, like a, a an idea in Germany at the moment that um, young English players are undervalued in the Premier League and we can go out and get a bargain. A lot of it's obviously fueled by Sancho, but he's not yeah. the only one over there, as, as we know, we've talked about it. Um, so, But Chelsea have not that back. I think they said they're valuing him closer to £40 million. But I was reading this and then read that Chelsea have gone out and signed Pulisic, who isn't playing for Dortmund because Sancho is doing so well, and they think that he's stagnated a bit. Now, he's only 20. Hudson-Odoi's 18. But a bit of me was like, well, Chelsea's have this strategy of, you know... Buying, you know, really young youth players, like even snapping up when they're twelve or thirteen. Yeah. Um, and then they keep them. They ship them out on loan, and then they make money from them. But very rarely do these players actually come in and get actually and do something. Do something and get yeah. a chance, and then they go out and spend big money on. It strikes me as weird. Sitch. Like, I, there's, I've got two sides to it. Firstly, I rate
0: Poda massively. Yeah, I think he's good. I think it? he's really, really good. I think he's got everything. And he's only twenty. He's only twenty. He's got everything. That you need to be a success in the Premier League as an attacking midfielder. He's also American, which, as a marketing thing, it's bloody genius from Chelsea because you suddenly just made the off uh, the American market go. Oh, we all love Chelsea, like the Ronaldo thing. It'll transfer, it'll pay for itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I do find it odd that Chelsea have forty players out on loan. And 40 very good players. And they're struggling for a striker, but they have Bak Shui out on loan. They have Tammy Abraham, who's the top scorer in the championship, out on loan. And then they buy this player, and then send him out on loan again. And it, the model, I can't really work out what they're trying to do. You've got your players like Loftus-Cheek, who doesn't play in the same position, but similar positions. You've got Hudson-Odo, as you said, like, what are Chelsea really doing with all these young players when even when they get to 20, they're just going to turn around and go, oh, there's a better 20-year-old over there. I'll pay £58 million for him.
1: And what you're seeing is they, these players are going over to Germany or other countries and then getting some continuity, getting some game time and playing and then improving and they're really good. And then Chelsea buy them back. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, I mean, they, they, you could argue that they made the same mistake with Salah and De Bruyne. And that they bought them when they were a bit younger earlier on in their um, career didn't quite work weren't ready made no. that will get rid of them and then look, look what's happened to those players and I mean I just wonder I this this kid i he's got I watched him pre-season, and he could be anything you yeah. know and it, it, I <clears throat> I think if the you know we've talked about the way that. German football works in the youth system for a long time, and you know that we, we look up to it as an example of how successful it can be. And if their scouting networks are really rating this guy, you know, doesn't that say something? Like, I just and, just play him, and maybe he could be as good as Pulisic, and you don't have to go out and spend fifty-eight million. The writing's
2: on the wall for um, for Loftus Cheek and Ross Barkley, though. Yeah, great. If Pulisic yeah. Is, is coming
0: in in six months' time. Those two players have got no future at that club. Yeah, it does scream of kind of Sari going, this is who I want, and I don't want these players. Chelsea drew 0 0 this morning with Southampton, um, and they scraped past Palace 1 0 a couple of days ago with a Kante goal. New top scorer, Ungolo Kante. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what is. is Pedro's 30. Pedro's old. Williams' William's old. But they're struggling for goals. They're playing Hazard up front as a number nine, and he hates it, but Sari likes doing it with a. Y player putting it up front. Why aren't they giving these young guys a go? Like, why isn't hudson O'Doy getting a game? Why isn't Loftus-Cheek getting a game? It strikes me as, like, if they're drawing nil-nil with Southampton and scraping past Palace 1-0, give the young guys a the thing go. Is,
2: you, you can't afford to. For Chelsea, you just... I mean we look at Sancho, right? We 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 think, okay, Sancho at Dortmund's gone there, he's set the world alight. Took Sancho six months to find form. Yeah. The and first he'd been six there the whole year last year wasn't it? And he? the first yeah. six months he was he was rubbish. Mm. He had to get a run in the team and mature as a player, work out what it was like to have the expectation of being a first team week mm. in, week out, in front of sixty thousand people How have many in the uh, you know, in that mm. yellow wall. He has to get used to it. Now, when you just mentioned uh Roger the top five teams have over forty points How do you afford having Loftus-Cheek get six months? You just don't. It's impossible for coaches these days. And especially when you, as a coach, you could be sacked after seven games. So as a coach, you can't afford it. As a club, you can't afford it because the riches of being at the top are that much greater than the riches of being mid-table. You'd argue that there there are teams in the Premier League that do blood in youth
1: better than others. But those teams are in positions that can afford it and there's only a few of them and Liverpool have done it to, to you know they bought Gomez for three and a half million Alexander-Arnold you know they're. Yeah, you're, they're... You're, you're right you're right
2: but I think that um the Liverpool didn't have pressure to win the league this year I don't think that was real until they started doing really well I think there are teams like um like Leicester like Everton who sit in the middle of the pack like West Ham West Ham fans will be if we, had a, if, if we had a phone on the table it would be buzzing with West Ham fan yeah. going well we bloody and youngsters yes. and that's the thing because you've got to say as a West Ham fan you, or as a West, West Ham are not getting relegated and then are not getting the Champions League so because of that they can afford to give a player six months to become uh, a Jaden Sancho and if they become a Jaden Sancho West Ham will either make a killing out of it or it will come at the same time as a golden generation and actually they'll overachieve and, and that could be the future of their club so, so you there is such a small yeah. quantity of teams that can afford to do better and Chelsea uh, unfortunately for all the youth players that play at Chelsea Football Club they're not in that so if you're a youngster at Chelsea get out of there go to a Leicester go to an Everton and you know the fact that Everton play Calvert-Lewin up front it, and I'm um, Oh, who's that right-back they played? Uh, John Joe uh, Joe Joe Kenny. Kenny. But the thing is, Everton can afford to because they can lose five games in a row and they're still not going down and they can win five games in
0: a row and they're still not getting the Champions League. So it's possible. Yeah, and at the very big clubs, if you are, say, Tammy Abraham, who's Chelsea striker, who's on loan, he didn't do very well at Swansea last year. He's doing very well in the Championship again and he may forever be a Cameron Jerome and never be able to make the step up. He might not, but he's never going to get... Like, he was at Chelsea for a chunk... At the start of the season I think before he went on loan and he was on the bench he come on for 10 minutes and he doesn't score Why well, don't play next week you're like what can you do in 10 minutes just like Solanke at Liverpool yeah. now here's
2: a question do you think Aaron Moy would be so good had he not played for Huddersfield
0: no,
1: no I just, say it he wouldn't
2: means, have played it's exactly the same reason so he played all season the championship week in week out got used to it then got to the Premier League and even when he had bad games now Aaron Moy probably had a bad game every three games and when he had a stinker he had a stinker and Huddersfield lost and if that happens at the top at Arsenal you can't have a bad game every three games and and your whole team lose because of it but at Huddersfield they could afford to do it in fact it was so worth it for his two good games that they stayed up and now you know, he's in those conversations of is he the best midfielder outside the top six and they're not stupid conversations to have but there's no way he would have achieved that had he
0: not gone to a club that played him every week and I like, we touched on this last week Week, so I won't go too much down this train, but I think it comes back to that stability of having a manager. So Spurs having Pochettino, he brings in young players, and he what he does at Spurs is if he decides that you're part of the first team squad, you're part of the first team squad. So you don't go out on loan. Don't think you train, you travel, you do everything with the first team. And so there's a guy, Skip. I can't remember his first yeah. name. He's midfield. He's 18. Um, he's a bit of a similar to Harry Winks type player. And he's slowly just bringing him in. And he's, he hasn't started a game yet. But he over by the end of the season, he will have started a few games. And next season, he'll be a first-team player. Walkers-Peters. Yeah. And Pochettino. Others, centre-back. And, Harry Winks yeah. is the best example. Harry Winks yeah.
2: was nobody in nowhere. Now he's playing for England. Mm. And he, he essentially plays in the Spurs midfield every single week. And deserves to be there. And, and as I said, he... Give without having the opportunity that Pochettino has given him, there's no way he would have signed to Spurs as that player and been that solution. But
1: yeah, then so you can do it. Like yeah. that, that's that's the thing that frustrates me about it. Is I get it. I I think it is, a, and I agree with you. I think it's a, um, it's a result of the Premier League being such a results-driven business and being so ruthless that these big sides just feel they can't take the risks. But I think that it can be done. I think that you can integrate the young players in, and and, it, and it, I mean, but I, I think it's so hard to do it in the Premier League environment that the only way it might happen is if the you know there are rules introduced around the number of English players you, uh, that you have to have.
0: Let's go on to the other... So we're talking Chelsea, the other people scrapping for the top four. So Spurs lost to Wolves three one, but then beat Cardiff three nil. The Wolves 3 1, is that just a hiccup? Is that just. A... We
2: shouldn't have been surprised by this. Yeah. So I'm just going to just jump straight in. <laughs> Wolves have played Man City, Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Spurs and not lost to any of them.
0: Yeah. We they'd, should
2: yeah. we just shouldn't we shouldn't have been surprised. In fact, they beat Chelsea, they beat Spurs, and they drew and scored against City United and Arsenal and then lost 2-0 to Palace this morning. But, <laughs> yeah, but that's because they're Wolves. Yeah. You know, however, they know how to play big sides that, with big expectation what they do in those games is a success. If only they knew how to grind out results against Brighton, they'd be a better side. But we shouldn't have been too surprised. And I also think that um that Spurs didn't rotate as much as you need to over Christmas. And
0: because of that, there's fatigue. We all know that Wolves' squad is absolutely massive. The Spurs beat Cardiff 3-0, but they scored three goals in the first 25 minutes. And they knew that's the only way they're going to win that game. Because they're exhausted, but they're like, play well for 45 minutes, make sure it's game over, and then we'll just all just chill out.
2: And it's slightly naive, I think, by Pochettino to think that you can get through the Christmas period, especially one this year that's so dense. Without rotating as much, I mean,
1: but they can't either because they didn't buy anyone in the
2: summer. But you've got kids. We just spoke about their yeah. kids. They, they've got kids that are good enough that are part of the first team
1: squad that they can come in and do a job. I think they've got, you got no, know, th- no other striker though. They've got, they literally don't have any. Like they've got Loriente who's been awful, and that's it. Yeah,
0: you can play Son up front. Yeah. Like I think you can be a bit
1: uh,
0: creative with it. Um, it's difficult to work out when you should do it and when you shouldn't do it and some teams get it right some teams get it wrong Um, but I think you can be a bit more creative than Pochettino's been he's kind of just gone we're doing well just keep going please keep going please keep
1: going please it's funny what you said about the Cardiff game getting the goals early because that's exactly what they tried to do against Wolves as well like they they were all over them first 25 minutes yeah. although didn't have a shot I don't think they had a shot the whole game from inside the box wow it was Interesting. all I mean but, but they had a few chances like Sun had a couple of good um, you know good half chances from outside the box and Harry Kane's goal was a blinder but you're right that game felt exactly the same they tried to get it all done early doors and then they just ran out of steam and mm. wolves, wolves ran over the top of them at the end
2: it's naive and I, I think you can only really judge a coach for rotating over Christmas in February. Yeah. Because Spurs, you would argue on paper, have had an incredible Christmas period. They're, they've scored so many goals, yes, blip against Wolves, but you would argue, as I said, on paper, that it's been a complete success.
1: They would have taken it, I think, you know, if you would have said. Of course they would. Um, three but, wins out of four. And... But
2: you only judge them in February, because you only judge them after these players start picking up groin strains and, and, and pulling their hamstrings because they've been absolutely abused over Christmas. And remember, it, sorry, it sounds stupid, it's cold in England. Right, (laughs) Uh, so getting we sat here um, and sweating, yeah, warming up, getting cold, like warming down, not training between games because you've got a rest between them. They're going straight into into match day. That intensity, Mm. it's it's a really hard thing to do. So by the time their injury crisis comes in mid Feb, that's
0: when we judge Pochettino for not for not rotating at the Christmas period. And um, whilst we're talking about top of the league, I feel like we should touch on the Man City Liverpool game. Now the Man City Liverpool game comes is tomorrow morning, which will happen by the time you're listening to this. So rather than talking about what happens because who knows what's happened. Um but Rod, you wanted to talk about peak Klopp versus peak Pep. As in is are you saying that you think are you asking are, is peak Klopp better than peak
1: Pep? Yeah, I mean I just you I think you could mount an argument to say that uh, at this point Klopp has had the same, almost the same resources at Liverpool as Pep's had at Man City in terms of being able to go out and spend lots of money spend on players big. probably not quite to the same extent but not far off um, he's had a significant period of time there now if Liverpool win the league this year does that we know that Klopp is the only manager in the world I think that has a winning record against Guardiola head-to-head. So we know that his teams match up well on Guardiola when they play each other, but usually Man City are so good at beating all the shit teams Mm. that, you know, like last year, they'll win the league. But I think this Liverpool team's different. And if Liverpool win the league this year, we know that Dortmund did it in um, Germany. Was that while Pep was there? No, that that was was pre-Pep, wasn't it? Yeah, But... I mean, if, if Klopp has a winning record against Guardiola and then their teams this year are, you know, similar resourced, matching up against each other, it's a proper title race, and Klopp wins that, does that mean that Klopp's a better manager than than Pep? No. Is does no. his way? <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was well, my... No, that I mean, I know what? there's more to, you know, you can't bring it down to one season but it's just an interesting conversation I think
0: the reason I would say no is because what Klopp does with his team you can see it and understand it and it makes sense what Pep does with his team as we've talked about a lot it's just otherworldly it's new it's unseen before you don't really know what's happening although you do know they're going to get to the byline cut it back and score <laughs> which they did at the end- weekend actually yeah, yeah, they did, didn't they? <laughs> first goal I was like yes <laughs> they're back <laughs> but everything that happens before that last two seconds where they get to the byline cut it back and score I don't know what's happening and he's getting players to play in different positions and he's tweaking the way they do things the thing Klopp does is he wins games of football and I think the smartest thing Klopp's done this season is sit He's seen what Liverpool have done last year in the second half of the season and gone, that's brilliant, that's amazing. We're missing out a little bit, we need to be a little bit more solid and we need to tweak a little bit how much we're attacking and he's had the gumption to not go, oh this is really good fun, I'll keep going. He's gone... Which I thought he might do. Yeah. Yeah, he's gone, no I'm going to be smart about this, I need to tweak it here and here and I need to teach my players to play slightly differently, not massively differently but slightly differently, so that they've only conceded eight goals all season and they've changed the way they're playing and now they look much more solid. But I can understand that. I can't understand what Pep's done, which is why I think thing. But what if Liverpool
1: win the league? Uh, you, the, yeah, they're the better team at this season. The
0: best
2: manager doesn't always win the league. Yeah. The, um,
1: no, but if you've argued that you know if they've had the same resources available to them to go out and purchase the players that they want that they think will make their team better, and then the teams are matching up, and then one wins. No,
2: okay. I, my, I, I agree with John that I don't think that. Um, I think Pep is is in a class to himself. Uh, however, uh, there's a caveat to that. I think if. Klopp delivers a perfect performance it is exactly the type of football that outdoes the perfect Pep performance yeah it's the kryptonite for it's it's exactly right Mm. however it's not the kryptonite for every other team and Pep's style of football is Yeah. yeah so if you put them head to head if they had to play each other 38 times a season I would say that that obviously you know they would evolve, they'd change their tactics on game number two. But you know if it was a carbon copy, you're you're replicating it on Football Manager with the same tactics. I'd say that Klopp's tactics out on a perfect day outdo Pep's tactics. But every other team in the league has more chance of beating Liverpool than the New City.
0: And I think also um, Klopp's teams are built more on emotion, and emotion can go wrong. You can have a bad day, you can be upset, something can go wrong, it can not quite fit. Whereas Pep's teams are built on a process being perfect. And so even if you're in a good mood or bad mood, but you're doing the process, the process still happens. But so- then
1: would the last two, three weeks have changed your opinion on that? Because I mean, we you, you guys touched on it last week in terms of um, perhaps what Man City are missing is that, they can't grind it out if the mach- if the machine isn't quite functioning perfectly because they don't have those characters that let them grind it out. Do you know who played this weekend? They brought in Company and yeah. Fernandinho, yeah. and they won three one. Yeah, um, which you made, know, made it, me proud. Like, <laughs> they, they won, <laughs> but I mean, I uh, that and is that a criticism of Pep? You know that he his teams don't tend to have those characters necessarily. I, a
0: little bit. I think that they they can't self manage. I think um, Liverpool's team has yeah. Van Dijk, Milners, Hendersons. Um, Firmino, I think, is a bit of a leader as well. And they self-manage on the pitch. Man City are very much, it's not going quite right. Let's all turn our heads to the left and look at Pep and see what he says. Yeah. And then he'll tell them. When he got sent off at the Liverpool game last year, they went to pot. Yeah. Because it was just You're like, like, oh, what do we do? Oh. Where So he's the puppet master in that scenario, whereas... Klopp's almost the heartbeat of Liverpool, and then they go and do their thing. So,
1: yeah, but, it, I mean that's what makes it so. In- sorry, Jeff, it makes it so interesting as a as a title race um, because they are quite different as well. They're different yeah. as individuals. Their teams are different, um, and so you really, I really want to see it go to the wire because it, because it's so fascinating in that way. But I mean, if Liverpool win this, what they're nine points, ten points, ten clear. points clear.
0: Um, we obviously are going to be wrong this time tomorrow but quickly what's your score prediction for tomorrow so we can see how wrong we are next week
1: Liverpool 3-1 Rog oh you're going to have a 20. Man City just Man City have to there's more on it for them I think if it's if it's 10 points that's you know you're almost saying game over so I think Man City will find a way to win 2-1 I think Man City are going to smash them 4 4-0 I've got a I can't believe but I'm the only one who's got Liverpool of all people. <laughs> I and mean, Klopp's record against yeah. Guardiola is is great, but I just you, you have to think that there's more on it for Man City.
2: What but, does it? What does it for me? And I don't want to bang on about this game because by the time we listen to it, it's too late. It's the goalkeeper. That's the thing that they've changed, and I think that he will be very prepared to have balls cut, you know, gone to the byline and cut back. I read a really, really good stat about Alisson this week. Do you know that Alisson has conceded 10 goals at Anfield in 2018 and five of them were for Roma? Wow, that's a great
0: stat. (laughs) How
2: good is that? (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, Jeffrey, what would you like to move on from Tightway's top four?
2: Well, I I think it's only fair that when I label Pochettino naive for his Christmas period tactics, I have to do the same to Marco Silva. Yeah. Marco Silva only played 14 players over the really? Christmas period.
0: Wow, that is interesting.
2: It makes me it makes me wonder. Now I, I look at that, and you think Pochettino, for example, should be more experienced over Christmas.
1: Marco Silva
2: doesn't usually last in a job very like like he. I, well, I but
1: just, I his stocks dropped, yeah. and I, I think that I, uh, over the Christmas period, like the he, whole he's like, now under a bit of pressure
2: whole December he, he's been terrible really, well I say he's been terrible he has stuck with it with it as soon as Gomez was in uh, well essentially the, the whole first half of this season has been great until that Liverpool game and ever since then it fell off a cliff now it coincided with uh, Drissa Gay uh, being injured which meant that, it's huge. Cl- that he wasn't just building he had to respond and he had to find a formula to take this essentially you know Mammoth defensive midfielder who who is the the engine room of your team away and, and how to compensate for that and he really kind of it was had a scattergun approach to it and it wasn't by bringing new players in it was like repositioning players he went through a back three went to a back five like, he really just didn't have a plan B for that and at the whole period he was pairing players with Gomez now again before the Liverpool game Gomez was on fire I sat here and I said he's like the best. Most underrated, best player you won't notice. So, you know, I just yeah. wax lyrical. However, after that Liverpool game, he's not been very good. Now, it makes me think that, you know, the partnership was what gave him such freedom because he knew that he didn't have to do the duties as a sat behind him and he could venture forward. Once he was part of a duo that had to share the task, he was a bit rabbit in the headlights. Uh, the Playing only 14 players over a Christmas period where Everton had the tightest run of fixtures. I mean that in, in the... The dating, yeah, they, yeah, they, they, got the worst timing. They beats. had the last game of one week and the first game of the third week, yeah. and then everyone shared a game in the middle. Nothing. So had the,
1: Fourteen players. Crazy. Fourteen players over.
2: Yeah. over we have what four games in in ten days or something like that. It, so I think that he showed managerial naivety in that. He made substitutions late, and he lost one nil twice in a row to teams that uh, you should have got a result against Brighton, but Brighton are very good at playing against teams like Everton because they starve you so one thing Chris Hughton, we've spoken about it so many times in, in loads of other contexts is about how he sets traps watch if you're going to be football hipster go back and watch the the Brighton Everton <laughs> game because you can see points where they know when to spring their trap and when they when they know to hold off and, and drop back and because of that he, they absolutely choked Everton's freedom in the in the front six players they absolutely choked it but choked it at the right points choked it at the points where Everton were advancing therefore there was space behind and because of that Everton just couldn't build anything so then you moves into the the Leicester game and Leicester did what Leicester do. That they, they defended and they counterattacked. They waited for an error and they pounced on it. And they waited for an error from
1: Michael Keane. It wasn't even that bad an error. It just went to Jamie Vardy. He ran forward and oh, spatched Oh, well, no, it. it was awful. I It, know, it, was, it was a like, massive slice. It was a slice it from the defender. There's, but, it, but there's no reason he couldn't have cleared that. But yeah,
2: of course. But that's not an error that deserves you to lose a football game. Like, that's why when I say it's not a massive error, he didn't handball it over the line himself. Like It's not like
1: he used yeah. his face. But to do it. you know what surprised me in that game? It was awful. It was a horrible like game. The quality, yeah. the quality. I, I think that those two. I think both Leicester and Everton are quite good, and I think that they, at the end of the season, they'll be battling for seventh. Um, but what a what a what a challenge! What a challenge! But Battle no, but I, you know they're yeah, definitely yeah. the best of the rest. Yeah, once yeah. you Once you step down from um, the top six, and. I was really and we've you know we've talked like Madison's been really exciting this year you know Everton Evan just smashed Burnley let's not forget a couple mm. of weeks previously and looked very exciting the quality and I, is it tiredness like we talk about this like is that what it is because the quality was it was it was dirge I do think absolute dirge
0: the last two days of football the games we've seen you've seen like the Bournemouth Watford which was three or half time carnage that's not from quality (laughs) or everyone being brilliant it's like i'm bloody knackered they're not robots yeah yeah Yeah. they're just is things are going wrong concentrations going they're not as full of energy and don't forget
2: you don't have training sessions so you don't if you've only got three days between a game one of them's christmas day Mm-hmm. You're not gonna. Ha- you don't have training sessions where you can sit down, and you can analyze what happened, what went wrong, and you can work on, re- you know, how to amend that in the following game. You have no time to do any of that, so you just have to hope for the best and hope that you've trained everyone up. I think that this is a new thing for Marco Silva. He was very naive walking into it, and his stock has dropped because Everton in December have been one of the worst teams in the league. From form-wise, they're like second to Huddersfield mm-hmm. for December. I do think that. Um,
1: when's, when's uh, Garner gay back
2: he is he was back, back in the last game which is great and made a big difference um but so I uh, pretty down on it I'm not I'm not miserable about it because it's bigger picture and you know rebuilding and all of this stuff however a mate of mine sent me a talk sport interview today with Sam Allardyce Sam Allardyce. oh no was he really smug and the email he sent to me just goes he's not bitter is he question mark <laughs> So, was he really smug? Yes, of course he was really smug. He's such a prick. Uh,
1: so, Where is he at the moment? I feel like, is he in Spain He's on TalkSport, isn't he? He's yeah. ma- making a living as a really depressing pundit. But probably on the phone from, like, yeah, you know, a bar. New Yorker or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: getting his big salmon sunburn, his big <laughs> buddy smugglers. Um, but what he was saying is, basically, having a rant, going, look, you... People want attractive football because you can't stay in, not gonna stay in the league with attractive football. You have to first work out how to keep a clean sheet, then work out how to score, and that's how you stay in the league. It's a results game. And he said, I thought it was a results game until I got the sack from Everton. And then I it was the first time we've ever got the sack for not getting results. We got results. It's a results game. Marco Silva's gonna to have to realise that. So I read that interview, having had all of these thoughts I just I just let out about Everton's Christmas. Yeah. I'm still so fucking grateful that I get to watch a one-nil loss and a five-one win, and and this is football for me than
0: that. I was going to say, do you still think Everton are on the path you want them to be on? Are they going in the right direction? Like, and I, I'm a big believer in giving managers long-term contracts, long-term. Like, let Silver have three years to work out next Christmas. I'll oh, use 18 players, not 14. Like, he's not going to work that out if he doesn't have a chance to do it again.
2: Yeah, I think football fans are fickle and impatient and sometimes soulless and rude and harsh and get emotional when they lose. And I, I think that if you look at the trajectory of Everton Football Club over the last five years, you might look at the league table and say, oh, there's been no progress made. But actually, the the rebuilding, the fact that the club now has no debts, the fact that they're... The public consortium about a a new stadium that the plans are being released in February. That The club is on the right path that it couldn't touch five years ago. The playing squad is the best it's been since we had Thomas Graveson, Tim Cahill, Mikel Arteta. The dream team. Well, the team that finished fourth, (laughs) for those who don't remember. So, yes, it's been a tough December. And, yes we're not going to get relegated this year we're not going to get top 4 this year we're not going to get top 6 this year 7th is the best even though I think Leicester are probably looking the best out of that bunch looking at their Christmas but what's the problem finishing 15th I know that sounds shit but as long as the trajectory of your club is in a positive direction and you are you are growing and you manage to retain the players as long as as long as the fans, the media, and the players themselves don't buy into the fact that that's bad, and they can have a bit of bigger picture. Mm.
1: Then, I, then I'm I'm still reasonably positive. I think winning games five-one helps because you know when it, when you when it goes right and you play good football and you score lots of goals, it's then like, you hey! get you get more leeway. Whereas yeah. if you win, you know, three Straight games one-nil one, nil. and then lose three games one-nil, fans are just going to be nonplussed by it because yeah. it's just not very exciting.
2: The 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 thing that will Really affect the trajectory is Everton's home form because the the flan, the fans that make it did the flat <laughs> the, the fans that make a difference very are, are when it. there's forty thousand people in there <laughs> chanting or booing and if Everton have a good home record which until this Christmas period they have then there will be no pressure on Marco Silva no. but if they lose it at home there's problems.
0: Let's move on to the relegation battle. Um, I wanted to touch on first Fulham. Um, Fulham got a win against Huddersfield and then got smashed by Arsenal. But the reason I wanted to touch on Fulham is because of the penalty scenario that happened at the Fulham game. Oh, yes. So, Fulham win a penalty in the 80th minute. It's 0-0 against Huddersfield. So, massive game. And Kamara gets taken down and then refuses to give up the ball to take the penalty. And Mitrovic is the designated penalty taker. Now, what he did was Gross. And the fact that Ranieri is angry on the side of the pitch, like every player on the pitch is telling him what you're doing. Then Mitrovic goes up to him afterwards, and, uh, just before he takes it, and gives him a kiss and just goes, Go for it, good luck. And then he misses. Yeah, he can't miss. If you've done that, he oh. cannot miss. But then he misses. Then Mitrovic saves him in the first minute of added on time, scores a goal. If I'm camera, I'm sprinting as fast as I can to kiss that guy's boots. Like he's just saved my skin. Kamar just kind of jogs over and goes oh yeah well done mate like and Ranieri in his press conference afterwards said I don't care that we've won that has just demeaned our whole ethic as a team and yeah I just really he said, he, me he off. said I want to kill him yeah, yeah did, that's didn't what it? he said
1: it's not the first time though it's crept into football a bit it seems this weird thing that if I think it's oh, I'm going to sound so old but <laughs> I, I do think that players now are a bit more petulant and a more uh what about when David Batty and Lee Bowie punched each other? self-absorbed and they are. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, but that's just because one of them's, they're just Idiots. horrible units, yeah. But um, the, and one of them's uh, homophobic. Yeah. Um, but the, I, I think that it, you see now if players win penalties, they think that they then have a right to take it, which is so stupid, because the whole point of a penalty is it's a great chance to score a goal, but you want the best person in your team to take the penalty because they, you've got the best chance of scoring. It's bizarre like, when you are in the position, Fulham
0: are in as well, yeah, yeah. and you just and against Huddersfield, you, and you've got five minutes left. You've got to just give it to the best bloke. I mean, I
1: suppose you say you want to see the passion, you want to see players yeah. care and want to do it, but I'd argue if their passion is that's only about themselves, that's yeah. not about the team. If
2: if I was in Ranieri's position, he would not play for the club again, and he'd be on the transfer list. Yeah, and I I say that not because he's a crap player or not necessarily because of what it meant at the time but what that says to every other player is that if you have an instruction but you think that you know better you can do it and it's okay because Mitrovic will come give you a kiss on the head and everything will be fine and actually if Ranieri's going to get anything out of this season he needs players to listen to him and respect him and it was the most public display of Disrespect I've seen in yeah. such a long time, and and with in January he can do it.
1: Yeah. He was on the bench. Uh, yeah, and I then think he came on and scored. <laughs> yeah, it, it, didn't it, Yeah, I've, I,
0: I think I. Yeah, if I was around the area I'd just be like, you've got to work harder than everyone else now, like or you're out.
1: Um, um, I got a quick Fulham stat. Or Fulham, it's now 159 games since Fulham have had a nil-nil at Craven Cottage.
0: Hundred and fifty. <laughs> well, at least, just, it just, does it say what that game was? No, because I've seen I'm a joking. Neil Neil Craven Cottage between Fulham and Everton. Oh, maybe that was it. Uh, oh yeah, Yukubu was playing up front for <laughs> Everton, and Mister Sitter.
1: That's quite a lot of seasons. I that would was say a years ago. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, I. They're in a bit of trouble, aren't they? They just, I mean, Ranieri's sort of righted them a little bit, but I, you know, we talked about it when um, when the coach got the sack. Sorry, his name escapes me. Yukanovic. Yukanovic got the sack, and you know, just as they were starting to play better, and you do wonder whether would they be any worse off now had they kept Yukanovic in. Yeah, I I just think they had
0: to change it because they could not defend. And there was, it it became such a noise around the fact that they don't know how to defend, they're not defending. Even if you taught, you had the best defensive coach in the world there, it wasn't going to change until mm. you got change in the manager. Yeah. I think Ranieri yeah. has made a bit of stability. He got the three points against
1: Hudderfield, which is massively important. They should have been 2-0 up against Arsenal. Cessi on missed a couple of yeah.
0: Arsenal, they actually looked okay. They could have had a chance. Um, so I think they've got hope. Someone who's not got hope. It's Huddersfield. Huddersfield are doomed. <laughs> um, well, they just well, they lost to Fulham 1-0 in that game. But then this morning, they went 1-0 up against Burnley. And then they had Schindler sent off. Now, did you see this? Schindler gets sent off for a second bookable offence. Yeah. But forgotten that he'd already been booked. So he argued for ages. Like, I haven't been booked. I haven't been booked. Thinking he was giving a foul to just get books. He's like, I'll give one away. No. Yeah. He's like, it's okay, I'll take a yellow card for the team. He's already had a yellow card.
1: He was like on the edge of the box. So oh,
0: just so it was a professional yeah. foul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what an idiot. So he got sent off. They're 1-0 up, and then from then on, they go to lose 2-1 to Burnley, who are one of their closest rivals.
1: I I think that Huddersfield are, and try, I had them go down the start of the year, and interestingly, I don't think they've actually played that badly in the last few weeks. Mm. The biggest thing is they cannot score goals. Now, we talked about it in the, at the start of the year, they spent 20-odd million on this striker whose goal-scoring record in Germany was abysmal. And yeah. he was going to come in and fix their goal-scoring woes. Surprise, surprise, it hasn't, hasn't happened. Worked. Yeah. And they're in all sorts of trouble. Yeah, I, I agree, they're going to struggle. While well, I was talking about um,
2: teams that are, are rubbish. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I talk about Southampton? yeah, yeah. So what's his name? The uh, sausage factory? What is it? The, <laughs> the Alpine Clop. The Alpine Clock. The Rabbit Hutch. The yeah. Rabbit Hutch
0: bloke. Hasselbult.
2: I just want to highlight early on in his Premier League career that that guy is a hard-ass bastard. <laughs> he really is. Yeah. Yeah, you're spot As he work, works hard. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. he has got a glint in his eye. <laughs> he is so angry. He is so angry. Bit of bondage like, going
1: on in training. Then. Oh, he's
0: just yeah. fierce but he's angry but in that <clears throat> wired kind of is this very similar to clock he's got wild know. eyes he's yeah. got that wild eyes he's so passionate and you know that if you did something good for you he would. for him he would just hug you and love you forever but oh, then if you got it wrong he would kill you
2: he would absolutely kill you so
0: I don't want to talk about Southampton's football I
2: just want to highlight really early two mm. weeks into him being in the Premier yeah. League keep your eye on that bloke because I mean if you find an interview with him watch an interview with him this guy stings.
0: Yeah, and he when the, they drew 0-0 this morning with Chelsea, which is a great result, yeah. away from yeah. home, and he was
1: pumping the air. And he was just like, yes, this is brilliant, and so pumped. Oof. Um, big two weeks for Burnley, or big two games. Not Definitely not two weeks. Mm. <laughs> big five days yeah. for Burnley. Two wins. They were looking like they were right in the mire, and they've now sort of jumped clear a bit. Uh, do you know, the, the one thing I wanted to touch on with this is the biggest change... In those two games, was they changed their goalkeeper. So they brought Tom Heaton back. Now, we thought it was really weird at the start of the year, and we talked about it in that Tom Heaton and also their other goalkeeper, Pope, Pope, who went to the World Cup, were both really good. Heaton was injured last year, which you knew about. Pope was really good. Season before, Heaton was really good. Um, And so they've had two good keepers, and defensively, Burnley have been brilliant for the last few years. Joe Hart hasn't had a bad year. He was awful at West Ham. Um, I don't I think he's been terrible this year. I think he's done all right individually. But I think that he has to take responsibility for the Burnley defensive unit suffering. Well, as does Dyche, because I just don't think he should have changed it. Mm. And I don't necessarily think it's a coincidence that he's brought Heaton in and suddenly they've looked more solid at the back.
0: I think it's a glaring indictment on Joe Hart's career like could be career over I think I think it is because you you're right he's not played badly he's done what a goalkeeper should do which is stop some shots and dive around and stop it and clear it and yeah great come for crosses but if you can't organise that defence in front of you and you're not instilling confidence in them and making them relaxed then it doesn't really achieve anything swap the keeper instantly it changes it's a big glaring error.
2: Just so sad. It makes me so sad. Not for Joe Hart. Well. Oh. Don't look at me like that.
1: Oh, I feel sad, for Joe Hart. <clears throat> no, I
2: feel sad that I won't get to watch Joe Hart's little heartbreak on TV so regularly. I love watching his little face when, when he's done something stupid or it's gone in and he, and he turns around and he slowly skulks back to pick the ball up and then he kicks it really hard. It's like, oh, I'll get my anger out of this little tiny ball and then i will look really big and strong. And then his little heartbreak and a little tear comes down. I love it. I love when he drops to his knees in tears. And I am really sad if he doesn't get his spot back.
0: He won't play again in the Premier League, I don't think. He'll be at the Championship next year and he'll slowly just, like, he'll yeah. be okay in the Championship at somewhere.
1: We, you know, we, we're sort of saying he's been okay this year, but I think when you're a keeper and you're playing at a team that's not doing very well, it's often not that hard to look okay because you're getting lots of shots to save. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because you're not doing very well. Whereas <laughs> yeah. I think to actually, there's a lot more to it if you can organise the defensive unit and yeah. I think you know we've seen it with Man City we've seen it with Liverpool it's not just about um, saving shots anymore as a keeper there's a whole lot more to it and, and I think that it's become I think goalkeepers become a much more important position yeah. I think the Joe Hart's years. the
0: last of that generation where you yeah. just had to be a keeper um, one question on the relegation people and we'll move on if you are a manager of those bottom six or seven teams do you spend big in January Or do you just stick with What you've got And try and make them better
2: uh, It depends on the oh, it's so stupid. World's worst answer it Depends on the team John But I do think There are there are requirements For each team I think Fulham are in For Gary Cahill And I couldn't yes. think Of a better fit He lives in London Chelsea and Fulham Are minutes away and So a defender it, That's exactly right Huddersfield fucking need goals.
1: Huddersfield won't spend, got no money. Fulham will spend, don't know if it'll work. Southampton will spend a little bit. Cardiff won't spend, Burnley won't spend.
2: Wow, Newcastle also need a goal scorer. Won't spend, Mike Ashley. (laughs) definitely won't spend.
0: (laughs) There's also talk, um, as well as Cahill going to Fulham, of Drinkwater. Because Dan Drinkwater is at Chelsea, the forgotten man, who played under Ranieri and won the league at Leicester be a good signing for him I reckon I think he'd be a great signing for, yeah. them, for them so yeah I, if it's a difficult one if I was in charge of one of those teams do you stick or twist I think you're better to stick like if you go and spend 20 million quid on a striker that ends up being crap you've just disrupted things and it doesn't achieve anything
2: no but two of those teams in the bottom three have new managers no. Uh, Ranieri and the Hasselhoff. What, yeah. What's his name? <laughs> Hasselhoff. 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 The Hoff. <laughs> uh, so yeah. the the Hoff and Ranieri are new managers, and if you can bring someone in, for example, when you said Danny Drinkwater, that, that's perfect. That's the same as Sarri bringing in Jorginho Yeah, it's going. This is someone who I, who is my my voice on the pitch, and you will help get my ideas across by dictating them with your style of football. Mm. Dan Drinkwater buys into his style of football because he won the Premier League with Ranieri. Yeah. So I think if Hasselhoff knows of a player that will represent that to him, yeah. then he buys him in a heartbeat for Southampton.
1: Yeah. I think there's also the other caveat is that this could be the season with the where the lowest ever points total will keep you up. So if you think that you can spend a bit of money and potentially get two, three wins from your £20 million, it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, moving on to next week. So next week, tomorrow morning, obviously is Man City Liverpool. Then it's the FA Cup third round, um, which the romantic in me cares about. But in reality, do I care? No. Don't know who's playing. Um, do you, <laughs> do you <laughs> have it, any? Thoughts? I think
1: the timing of it's wrong because it just comes. You've had so much football in such a short period of time, and then it's like just tacked on the end FA Cup. You know that all the Premier League teams are going to rest all their players. Because they're all knackered. Yeah. I, I mean, if anything, I think they should put it back a couple of weeks. No, I disagree. Disagree, Rog. Do you? I, I think that the timing of it is perfect. Uh, I think
2: because of the teams that have really st- struggled. No, it's not about the football. It's about being able to rest players. So I'm not looking at that as a disappointment. I'm going, yeah. okay, you've, you've spent two weeks without a strategy session, without a goalkeeping session, without an attack versus defence, like without a chance to reorganise your side. And if you're in a slump, or if you're doing well, you get a chance to actually get back to the drawing board and go, what do we need to do? What have we learned? How do we analyse this? And you get two solid weeks of training without fear that that you're exhausting your players before a game. And you actually get to reassess where you're at. And I, and I think for those clubs that have really gone in a downward spiral during the Christmas period Evan, <laughs> uh, I think the more time on the training pitch the better and I, I would view the same for those clubs with new management so Southampton he hasn't really had a chance to coach his players Oli his Solskjaer he yeah. hasn't really had a chance to coach his players but now he's got a two week period where he can coach
1: but I don't think like for Solskjaer I don't think he's a great coach so I don't think coaching matters like for United I mean he's 1-4 they're comparing him to Matt Busby now 1-4 <laughs> <'cause it's laughs> <four> out, <laughs> out of 4 but it could be like we said it could be anyone Yeah, like, but it really, really could be a Labrador <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> but I do think like if you're a re- like a relegated relegation threatened team like a Fulham Fulham play Oldham at home and if you're Ranieri who gives a crap about the FA Cup right now just lose to Oldham just play a bunch mm-hmm. of kids Player people don't. Wow. Like, Wins a win sometimes as yeah, well. Yeah, but if, no. your, if your
2: kids do well, they get in the
0: first team. If your kids music. lose, no one cares. Yeah. And then you, like Jeff says, you take everyone from the first team and go, we're training on Saturday when the game is. We're training Sunday. We're training. Does
1: that devalue the FA Cup,
0: though? Not now. No, because that's what the FA Cup is now. So you, it, it's that's where it's at. I think we
2: both, we all three of us just devalue the FA Cup by going, we don't care, I haven't got the fixtures written down. Yeah. Like, the value of the FA Cup is. I love the FA Cup because I love what it represents but I love it I love the principle of it I love the fact that the three of us plus eight mates could start a football team and in two years time we could be in this round of the FA Cup if we keep winning I love that yeah Yeah. but right now from a Premier League perspective I think that it couldn't come at a better time Yeah. You know, okay. some clubs yeah. take their teams away for, for winter breaks I remember David Moyes took Everton to Dubai during the yeah. FA Cup weekend
0: yeah, because as long as you're out in the third round, the fourth and the fifth round are whole weeks off for the Premier League. Mm. So if you're out in the third round, you have two winter breaks coming up in the fourth and fifth yeah. round. So you can kind of and tactically th- just go lose, have a break, have a break. And do so you look, think
1: there will be teams that will be f- throwing games? No, no, no.
0: They approach them with not a care for the result. You go, yeah. I'll play 11 kids. If we win, great. Like a them. And we'll play the 11 kids again in the next round. But in reality we lose Yeah. And I I think I think you're spot on John. No one will want to
2: throw it, but everyone will want to experiment. And and that's the beauty of it. And that's exactly what Leicester did when Leicester won the league. They had two periods <coughs> Massive burp. They're two periods <laughs> in their in their run up to the title where they had a week off and everyone else was in crunch games. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um let's move on to side stories. And there's one thing I have written down, which is Sunderland Documentary. Now we've mentioned it on the pod before that uh, I think it's great to watch the Sunderland documentary on Netflix but I think you guys have both caught up and Rog do you have some Sunderland stats or something you wanted to share with us
1: well it was more uh, not so much documentary I think it was brilliant Uh, well worth a watch Um, Jack Rodwell does not come across
0: well. It does. What a prick! For, for those that don't know, this is
2: Sunderland till I die on Netflix. Yes.
1: Yeah. Well worth a watch. But I, uh, I saw in the transfer news, we're obviously into the um, transfer window. Yeah. Uh, and there are a couple that stood out to me, which was um, Didier Ndong and uh, Jill Cisse. Djibouti. Djibouti. Um, who were both at Sunderland and I think we talked about them earlier this year going on strike, um, refusing to play. So they've both been signed on a free for uh, Guancamp, who are the French French league, at their bottom of the (laughs) French league, in all sorts of strife. They've signed these two guys... On a free because they've always shown heart. Because and I was like, "Wow, they for a fight. Though, you, yeah, must right? be, <laughs> you must be so desperate, like if you're signing these two clowns." But I, I mean, I, and it re- was really interesting. The documentary on which players seemed to be involved in it and wanted to be a part of it because mm. you felt like they were invested. Like uh, George Honeyman was one that really yeah, us, yeah. came through you and then you have people like Rodwell and these guys and Kone who just you never really never really saw because you felt like they didn't really care. But I just um, I just wanted briefly, like I suppose from a positive thing. So the documentary is fascinating because uh, Jeff's using an analogy a few times on the shed of um, teams needing to crash their plane. Yeah, in order to, to, to fix things, to bottom yeah. out and try and fix things, or you get other coaches that try and fix things as the plane's crashing. The fascinating thing about Sunderland documentary is um, you get to watch the plane crash. <laughs> <It's so laughs> and it is like, it is not a very, very dramatic plane <laughs> crash. Yeah. Um, and it's all been recorded. And so it, it is absolutely fascinating stuff. But a bit, I suppose I took a step back from it. I enjoyed it. But then I'm like, maybe Sunderland needed that to happen. Yeah. And they they went as far with the crash as they needed to to then be able to fix things. So their top goal scorer this year they're in league one um, they're currently third yeah. so they're probably fighting with Portsmouth and one L- other Luton but, in a Luton second for, for and they've got two games in hand two games in hand so they're, they're up there so I, I mean I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if and Pompey you could probably put in the same boat right because they're a big club as well okay. but um so just a couple of things that I have read that made me feel positive about Sunderland after the plane crash uh, so the their top goal scorer this year is Josh Madger he's got 15 goals and 28 games so he came into the documentary got blooded into the Sunderland first team because they didn't have any other strikers mm. they got uh, they got sold so he's yeah. a youth guy came in and now is their top goal scorer and there's talk of him going to the Premier League so yeah. <laughs> the, <He'll probably laughs> the, since, no, he might be gone but probably um, Huddersfield trying to score a goal <laughs> yeah but they uh, get relegated. Really <clears> They're the championship yeah. um, so the other day uh, they had an away game at, at Pompey, so it's obviously a big game. But they took down uh, two thousand odd fans. Sunderland did, and Sunderland to Pompey is about the longest trip you can do it's in a, the UK. It's a long, long way. Um, after the game, there the Sunderland coach, this guy called Jack Ross, got on the bus with the fans and travelled back with them and talked to some of the fans on wow, one great. of the buses. The next home game... Budget cuts, Rog. That was just budget cuts. <laughs> the next home game, Sunderland had 46,039 people versus Bradford. In a League One game. In League. League One. Isn't that insane? And, and you know, there's obviously been lots of stuff about it and saying maybe... And everyone's loving Jack Ross. So he um, was at St Mirren in Scotland. Mm. Um, got, Did very well, got them yeah. promoted. Won PFA Manager of the Year in Scotland. And the, when uh, a guy called Stuart Donald, who is the current owner of Sunderland, bought them, first thing he did... So he bought them as they were going down to um, League One. You know, the previous owner had just been asset-stripping the club for, for years, as we know. Um, short, Ellis Short. So first thing this guy, um, Donald, did was get Ross in, you know, identified mm-hmm. him as a man. I, I think that's a bit of a coup. To get a manager a that's, choice. you know, just going up to the yeah. to the... But it shows how big a club Sunderland are. Mm. So it's it's a guy that's going up to the Scottish Premier League with his team, but then he's left to go to to League League One. But, you know, I think the fact that he's done that and they're now on the up again, maybe that had to happen to Sunderland. Mm. Maybe it had to get that bad to now get better.
2: Do you you know the thing I I liked most about that documentary is the way it contextualises football. Mm. So, um, for those who haven't watched it, I'm not going to give too much away, but it's very easy to, to dehumanise these teams. And, and we do it, and we talk about players being pricks and managers being rubbish and, and, and fans deserving it and, and people doing their time in the Championship and coming back up. We, you know, we, we bang on about it all the time. But the, the story of, of Sunderland Football Club and the, the story of the place, to, to think that you know before the 80s, everyone in Sunderland either worked on the docks or down the pits. Then they closed the pits and the docks shut down. So no one had a job. And the one thing that kept that community together was it's a one-club town. And it's a big town. Like, a huge mm. population. One-club town. And the stadium is basically in the middle of the town centre. It's the one thing that everyone had to latch onto after everyone lost their job. Everyone was on the dole. Everyone was in extreme poverty. And it puts that in perspective when you look at the the passion of the fans and what football means to communities. Like, it's not... Uh, a situation, You know, we're, we're in Australia and, and, and we're in a situation where, where we talk about franchises and, and, and bidding to have the right to be in a the league. The product. Mm. Yeah, the product, how it's sold, how you engage a fan base. Yeah. You know, there's no fan base engagement officer at Sunderland Football Club. Because you have the whole city of Sunderland who only care about one thing, and that's Sunderland yeah. Football Club. You know, they, they pray for it in church. Yeah. Like, You don't need a community engagement officer. It doesn't work like that. And you can't artificially create that. You have to embrace it. But not only that, you have to embrace it when it goes down to
0: it's small.
2: You have to have 43,000 people there in League One. Yeah. And then you have to embrace them when,
0: when they go back up and just hope for the best. That is the beauty of football. My last thing on Sunderland, they played away at Blackpool this week. And Blackpool's a basket case of a club because their owner's an idiot but they're are they the, still the owners yeah it's that family yeah, yeah the horrible family yeah the capacity for that game went Blackpool was 10,994 7,804 of them were Sunderland fans yeah there you go that's insane ridiculous like
1: and they're, they're you know maybe they're winning so you know the fans are engaged it doesn't, maybe it doesn't matter they're in League One Um, anyone got any other side stories before I go on to an end feature I've got a very quick one yeah go on Artis Adderiz heard of him? No place for Athletic Bilbao. Okay, he's
0: thir- oh,
1: is the old guy who scores loads of goals? He's thirty eight. Yeah, he's basically started getting good at football when he turned thirty. Uh, <laughs> this, this he's, hope he's, he's now, Not me. <laughs> <laughs> he's now thirty eight. Uh, Bilbao are in all sorts of trouble. Um, a week ago, they were playing one of the other teams down the bottom. Yeah. Uh, last minute penalty. It's nil nil. They need a win. Took the penalty. Panicker a penenka like P-penica. a pan- like a little yep. dinky one a little dinky one wow like you know oh, like a paninka, pa- whatever oh, um yeah. but you know amazing yeah next week same situation has another penalty takes a one step <gasps> penalty have you seen this i've seen it yeah you got to go and look at it it, it is really amazing is. so it's not even like uh, Beppe, I remember Beppe Signori in Serie A used to yeah. take one step penalties but he kind of took one step one penalties long step and cued it up with, and... with a bit of a run whereas this was literally just he planted his foot it just went bang it just Oof, went bang like,
2: like he's playing five a side yeah, yeah. like right he's not allowed on. to take a run up Yeah,
1: unbel- I've never seen anything like it it's the anti-Pogba but in the last minute against another relegation you know rival yeah amazing Two well, we- and two well,
0: weeks in a row one thing on that guy I can't remember this stat so it's a half stat that I'll check for next week but I think as an over 30 year old he's the top scorer of the, any of the top 5 leagues ever oh so if, you for the yeah. number of goals from over the age of 30 yeah wow but
1: go uh, yeah everyone go and look up the one set penalty it's well worth a look
0: um, have you got a song for us Jeff yeah you ready? yeah go for it is that a new one? Yeah, it goes up. It oh, yeah, yeah. goes up this week. Yeah, nice. New year, new tune. <laughs> so last week, uh, I lost by one goal because Watford equalised the 80th minute against Newcastle, so that was underwhelming. Jeff bet on Arsenal to win, which they lost 5 1, so that was good. <laughs> but Rod, you won. Do you know uh, no.
2: Lacazette only had something like 12 touches of the ball and five of them. Not Lacazette, Abveria. Oh, yeah, like yeah. 12 touches of the ball and five of them were from kickoff.
1: Yeah. Awesome.
0: Just making them important ones Yeah But Rod you won um, After betting on Fulham And something else uh,
1: Man United to win In I a know. goal fest Yes Yeah
0: So uh, that was a good win for you Yeah So that means you are leading Massively at the moment at The part, Just after the halfway point Of the season and end feature So what is
1: your bet For this week uh, I don't have one yet We've talked about this Oh yeah you don't do you No I'll have to Come back to you No no no, no, no. There's no coming back So given our, our Conversation yes. this evening Roger on the m-
2: Without understa- without knowing the odds What do you think Is going to happen In football this week
1: boys well, like, it's the FA Cup So I don't know What the games are You've got Man City V Liverpool tomorrow I don't want to bet On Man City V Liverpool oh, This is why he wins He's so, so petulant No no I'll, I'll come back to you With a bet No Roger. you're
2: banned this week <laughs> no? I'm banning Rog I'm going to vote hands up <laughs> banning Rog John
0: no because he's the only one who wins but you, you've got to give me the games otherwise. Banned Rod is banned you've got to give it to us by tomorrow and we'll post it yeah on okay. right so I have bet
2: that Liverpool are going to beat Man City and what's that paying $3.50
0: good bet that is a very good bet I have made a bad bet because I because it's FA Cup week I was like oh there's got to be a giant killing and there was the Fulham Oldham <laughs> game that I thought, oh, that one makes sense. It's going to be some big odds here. Right? So I thought Oldham paying ten dollars. I was just like, oh, that really makes $10? sense. Ten dollars. It's away though. So I was, and I was like Ranieri, it was probably just going to chuck the game. As I said on the pod minutes ago, but I didn't bet on that one. <laughs> so it's probably going to come in. I bet on Woking. <laughs> wow. No, who, I'm already thinking this in is Conference disaster. League South. But they've won their last seven games in a row. They're second in Conference League South.
1: The research bet.
2: Yeah, which means they'll throw the FA Cup so they can
0: win the league. Yeah. Um, To beat Watford. Oh, who are really good. But Woking are at home, and it is a bit of a derby. It's a London derby. So, it's paying $15. I'm not paying that at all. I think your first bet was excellent, and that bet is well. Oh, I'd love it if
1: it comes crap. in though. We'll it, go. giant
2: What for the eighth in the Premier League and playing
1: better than that? I oh, know. After I bet it, I put. Uh, oh yeah, Watford are really good. Aren't but they? they will rest their whole team. Nah. Or, with, or, could or they could—they're one of the
2: teams that, like, yeah, had ever not had a, a crap Christmas. They would be like, "Oh, let's let's give the FA Cup a good run. Like Leicester should be giving the FA Cup a good run. If you're not going to get in the top four, mm. you're not going to get relegated. You give it a shot." Yeah, Watford it. are going to give it a shot. Sorry, John.
0: Yeah, no, I already I think I'll fail. Does anyone got anything else before we leave? Uh, no, it's no. Very hot. Well, thanks for uh, listening, everyone. It's good to have you back, Rog, in this sweaty shed. Is um, it? though? no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week as always if you want to get in touch shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com and just find us on Facebook or Instagram just search footballshedpodcast tell your mates leave us a review and we will be back next week bye everyone
1: happy new year happy new year